First Thessalonians chapter 5, starting just in the first verse, we'll start there and we'll read down to 15. It says, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the knife. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that in this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. And as you remember, what we talked about the previous two times, too, was the rapture of the church. And again, it's not something that you don't typically see. It's not a feel-good kind of conversation. It should be because the church is going home. And if you're a believer, you're going home. You're going to, to be in heaven. And that's a great thing to think about. You know, but again, the world looks upon it and tries to make us, oh, those crazy Christians and all. But again, if we're going to believe in the promises of the Bible, we must then believe in all the aspects of what the Lord teaches. And if the Lord teaches about the rapture, then we're going to believe in the rapture and we're going to wait for that day to happen. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. Um, And let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to appoint up to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are doing. So again, we're comforting one another, we're edifying another, one another, and then he moves into a couple issues that he wants to now address the church as far as what they're doing. And he says, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, and see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves <coughs> and for, for all. And so you, if you look through this little area of scripture, the four verses that we're going to be doing, um, he addresses the brethren twice. Okay, so it's an easy it's an easy breakdown if you're if you're a if you're a um, uh, word just left me gone Holy Spirit gone if you're a uh, what is this called an outline taker if you're an outline taker the first two things that you've got you've got the first brethren the first brethren that he's talking to is he's talking to the leaders of the church and so my son's making fun of me because I'm rolling up my sleeves so. It's getting serious. It's hot up here. So it's leaders of the church is the first two that he's addressing as far as in in this area. And so not leaders of the church, but how the church is then supposed to treat and and listen to those leaders. Well, who are those leaders? Well, verse 12 and 13, And we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. Be at peace among yourselves. So the first one that we see here, he's he's saying, look, I'm, I'm urging you. And so Paul here is saying, he's asking it out of like a personal favor. He's not saying, look, I, I'm, I'm urging I'm, It's a personal favor. Would, I'm, I'm please, guys, would you please recognize these to have regard for them, to look out for them? This is what I'm asking. I'm, I'm asking you as a friend, as a brother, and, and not as an, in a, as an order as I could because I'm Paul, but I'm asking as a personal favor, could you please just look after these people? These leaders that are within your church. 
And for me, this is a hard area of scripture, as you know, because now I'm a pastor. And, and, and this book has been kind of a stretch because I've had to talk about sexual purity and had to talk about the rapture. And now I'm kind of talking about things that affect me. And, and in the past, this would have been very easy because I could have got up here. I'm just an elder or whatever. It's not a big deal. I'm just talking. And I can point to PD, but it's, it's a little hard when you're pointing at things and then it's coming back to yourself. Because I'm not a one that wants to bring attention to myself. And like I even talked to you before, I didn't know when I was a deacon when I was at the church. I didn't know when I was an elder at the church. They were just like, hey, you're an elder. I'm like, what? You know, I didn't know. I, I, don't, I don't, wasn't looking for the position titles. And so when, now when the word is talking about something particular about me, it, it's just humbling. And so over the last week or two, as I've been looking at this, the other side of this is me and my own personal life. I've been looking at it as, well, where are those areas in my life? Am I, am I being a good pastor? Am I, am I treating my wife properly? Am I treating my kids properly? I mean, do they know that there's a difference between them and the church? I mean, is there that separation that should be there? Am I, am I loving those that are within the church? Am I loving the flock the way that I should be loving the flock? And again, as we went to communion and we're talking in, to the Lord and we're having a humble conversation with the Lord about that, that's a humble conversation to have with the Lord about those areas within my own personal life as a pastor. And as Don was talking last week about the leaders and, and who those leaders are within the church and, and the requirements for them, it's making sure that I'm lining up with those areas in my own personal life. Because for me, then, if I'm going to then look at the next two verses as we will, well, I need to make sure that I'm doing the things that I should be doing. Does that make sense? I mean, I can't ask somebody to treat me as a pastor just because I have the name of a pastor, but you should be living it out at the same time. So that's what's been going on in mind the mind the last two weeks as I've been looking through this. Well, the first thing that Paul says here is he says, well, you're going to recognize, to recognize those who labor among you. And labor here is of the toilsome efforts of teachers in proclaiming and promoting the kingdom of God in Christ. And well, what is, the, what is a, not, a normal week kind of for a pastor, just to kind of give you guys an idea? I'm not talking about a pastor at a big church, you know, because they've got big problems. We just got little big problems, okay? So <laughs> as a pastor, and this is not to tote my own totem pole. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not looking for, I'm not whining. I'm not any of that kind of stuff. But just again, to give you an idea of what it is within a week as far as what we do. Okay, mine is, we've got men's group on Monday night. I don't know if you guys knew that, or some of the guys do, although... I don't know where most of you guys were last week, but that's besides the point. That's a different conviction. So, and then there's a, there was a parenting class on Tuesday nights, which some of us were attending, and it was a parenting class on Tuesday nights, which was awesome. Um, there's counseling. I don't know if you know that. Sometimes pastors do a little bit of counseling, you know, here and there. I call it my Monday morning breakfast. I have breakfast counseling. So uh, with the guys, there's several that I'll meet from time to time on, on Monday mornings. There's teaching that we do. There's hospital trips that we will take whenever it is needed. Uh, there's late night phone calls that you get with people that are going through different problems and, and they need somebody to talk to, they need somebody to pray with. Uh, there's late night studying, you know, even on Halloween when your kids are out getting done, you have to finish up for the next day, which is, again, it's fine. Um, there's even, you know, there's a night where I had I'd taken a, the only time I've been scared, I think, in a long time, I took a trip to, to 301, you know, late at night on a Sunday night, about 11 o'clock because somebody had called me and, and needed help and was had questions and was questioning different things. Um, those are just some of the things that we go through. And, and there's lots more that I can, because there's still, while you're working, because we still work, it's a point of there's still different counseling that goes on even while you're at work. 
I mean, so there's a full schedule there on top of, you know, still working the nine to five. And again, I'm not sitting here to say that, you know, I'm asking for anything as far as from you guys or pity or whatever, because again, if it's a calling that we have received, either myself or, or Pastor Don or Brian and, and our wives, that if it's a calling that the Lord has given us, then the, the spirit will be the one that he fills us up. The spirit is the one who will fill my, my cup to be able to do the things that I've been asked to do by the Lord. But again, it's still tiresome. And you still get weary. Because even if you look in, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, it's the same word here, labor. It says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, it's the same word that's there. So, I mean, it's, it's a point where you're tired. I mean, even after the, the disciples fed the 5,000, you guys remember that story? You know, everybody learns it in the, in the children's ministry. But he, he feeds the 5,000, and there's a point where they're, they've done ministry that day. Okay, they've handed it out. There's 5,000 plus women and children. I mean, those, those guys are tired. And what Jesus does, he separates them and says, hey, look, get on the boat. Go spend some time. You've got, you got to get away from everybody right now and because, because you're tired and you've done some ministry. And there's points in our lives where we just, as pastors and as leaders, that you just need to kind of be able to take a step back and go, you know, I'm tired. Again, not tired in a whining way. I'm not saying that. It's just a point of, like anybody else at their jobs and the things that they do, that's where you're at. And what Paul says, I want you to know that um, this is a calling on the Lord that, that has empowered them, but I want you guys to at least recognize the fact of, of these people that are laboring among you, you need to pick them up. And, and I would even add on to that, there's, there's others within our church that do different things. I mean, there's, there's Jeremy and, and, and Alex, who's not here today, with, with, the, with the youth. There's Yvonne comes in, and I don't know if she, I'm, a lot of people are going to embarrass right now, but Yvonne comes in and she helps clean the church. She didn't get paid to do that. She just, she just does it, yeah. And, and Rick helped out with that, and then Yaneth used to do it before that. We also have um, Kelly and Scott that, that do food. And, and again, these are areas in, that you think, well, it's just a little bit of cleaning or it's just a bit of food. Trust me, that's immense. It is immense because everything else that was happening to be able to look at it and go, you know, what you look at it and go, well, it's not a big deal as far as my service to you. Well, praise the Lord because it was big to us and it was huge. And when it was just something else that we could then pass on to somebody else. Because again, not not that we're just downgrading as far as that, but as even as Pastor Don talked about last week in Acts, that the the, the disciples and the elders are looking at it and go, we can't pray and we can't minister because we're too busy doing these other things. Let us raise up other people that we can pass these important details to get done so there's other ministry that can get done. I look at you today and there's there's lots of different ministries we would love to be, be able to engage in and to do, but the workers are not there to do it. And again, this is not a point where I'm trying to look at you and guilt you into it. What I'm saying is that if the Lord has put a calling on your life and a calling on your heart, and you're like, I want to serve God, well, then you need to then be able to get out of the boat and walk as Peter did and walk on the water. Trust in the Lord and say, look, I'm going to be all in on this moment. God has asked me to do something. I believe he's asked me to do something. This is where I'm at. I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm already, I want to serve. What, do I can, what can I do? What, 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 what abilities do I have? And let's get you in and let's get going because I think that there's other things that we can be doing as a church. There's many ministries that are available. I mean, there's many outreaches to the community that we could be able to do. But again, when, when the workers are not there to do that, then there's, a, again, the church is just, then that's fine. This is where we're at. This is exactly what God has planned for us. So that's just the labor, the people who labor. Well, then the next part is, <clears throat> excuse me, 
those who labor among you and are over you and are over you. And these would be bishops and these would be pastors today. Okay, Back in that time, Paul's probably talking about elders. Um, when he went into these cities, and you guys have talked about Paul, when he went into a city, the first thing he did, he found the synagogue. And then, boom, he would start going and he'd start preaching and teaching and all that kind of stuff. Well, he probably set up his churches the same way that the synagogues were, were set up. So there were probably elders that were in charge, and that's how he probably set up the church. Again, nobody knows because we weren't there, but we're just guessing because that's the background that Paul came out of. That's probably how they set it up. So <clears throat> as he's looking at this, he's saying, hey, look, the, the church model here for the synagogue is, is he's saying, look, you need to recognize these people and you need to have respect for the elders that have been placed above you. Okay, so it's, it's a point of, you know, you're, 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 it's, it's, not a, it's not a worldly affair. It's not somebody, it's not your boss that he's talking about. It's not the President of the United States he's talking about. He's talking within the church setting. He's saying, look, you need to understand that these people have been placed above you. And these pastors have been placed above you. Uh, and if you, if you look at it that way, then, then you know, as I look at Pastor Don, he's my senior pastor, there's, there are times where maybe I don't agree with something that he wants to do. But guess what? He's my senior pastor. And I'm going to submit to the person that God has placed in that position to me. And I have to look at him and go, well, you know my side, and I know your side, and I know you've prayed about it, and I've prayed about it, and I'm going to trust in the Lord that, that this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing. That there's wisdom that's there because you have been the one that's been placed above. You might look at me today and go, Kevin, I think you're crazy. I think you're wrong. I've already said you need to pray for my wife. So it's probably true. So I mean, maybe I'm the bad example to use in that. But, but you have to look at these people and go understand that they've been placed above you. And, and so the Lord is saying, look, I want you to come alongside. I want you to recognize these people because of the work that they do. The next one that he goes into, admonish you. And these are people that um, to admonish you is to, to warn. And, um, and to not, it's not an arbitrary authority, but it, it's gentle and it's kind of faithful. You know, I mean, you ever have those people that just come alongside and they're, they're kind of firm, but they're not too firm? Uh, one of the guys, one of the, the, the commentaries, Morris said, it's, it's while it's, it, its tone is brotherly, it's big brotherly. Okay, so it's somebody who's, you know, you have a big brother. Jonathan, you're a good big brother, right? So you have a big brother who comes alongside of you, and he'll give you an encouragement. And it's one of those things, you don't have to do it, but you're going to do it. You know, it's, it's one, kind of that thing. And so if you've ever been around Pastor Don, um, he, he's not a man that's going to come overly strong on things. He's really going to step back at times and really try to, to work you through it to try to get you to that point. And, and there's times where then, if, if it gets to that point, then he'll, he'll nudge it even a little further. He'll be a little stronger. Uh, and, and so in that, it's, it's a point of where you have to look at it and go, uh, I'm going to receive from this person because, again, the wisdom that they have, um, the knowledge that they have within the scriptures, I know that they love me. I know that they're, they have the best um, as far as their, their, their goals for me in, in life as well. And I've got some people that are within my life, too, that, that the same thing, that I'll come alongside of them. And, and not I, again, not that I'm a lord over them because I don't want to be in that position, but you kind of want to nudge them in the right direction. And say, hey, look, uh, these are the things that you need to do. You need to love your wife. Uh, but, but, but Kevin, I want to do these things. I know, but you need to love your wife. And you need to sacrifice for her and, and, and do the things that she's first in your life. And, and that's a hard thing to do. I mean, it, you look at it and you're like, well, women are supposed to submit. Well, it's, it's easier for a woman to submit to her, her godly husband if her husband's acting in a godly way. I mean, if he's really dying to himself and he's, he's seeking after the Lord and he's, he's doing all these things, well, then 
wouldn't a woman want to follow behind that man? I mean, she'd respect him and she'd say, well, he's dying to himself. He's really seeking after the Lord and all he wants is the very best for our family. Well, well, yeah, I would do that. But then it goes back to it starts with the man. And if the man's not doing the things that he's been required to do over the Lord, well, now you can see where the, where the struggle comes with inside the family. It makes it very difficult. And, and so as, as a man would come alongside another man and, and try to encourage him in these areas, that's where it's, look, it's, this, is a, this is an admonishment. This is, a, this is an idea for you, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is the things that you need to do because that's, that's how it's designed as far as, and if you're not, I heard a pastor this week, if you're not happy with what I say, it's, it's not me, it's, he wrote it. You know, God wrote it. It's not me, so don't get mad at me. It's get, you know, get mad at God because that's the way he designed things. So you're going to come alongside of these people. Let's shoot over to First Peter. It's going to be to your right. First Peter chapter 5. I apologize if my mind is all over the place this morning, but... It's going to be First Peter 5, verse 3. It's going, we're going to back up into verse 1 and read it through. It says, The elders who are among you I exhort, and I am, I am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those who entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And so as, a, as the pastor comes alongside of you, it's not a point of where he's, he's lording over you, and it's not a point where you just automatically, well, he's the pastor, I've got to do what he says. It's, it's what Paul's saying here, again, and in, in, in back in, in the First Thessalonians and what Peter's saying here, he's saying, look, it's, it's not just by the, the fact that they have a title, it's the fact that they are living a lifestyle that's worthy of it. They're living a lifestyle that you look upon it and say, well, well they're doing the A, Bs, and Cs of, of what the gospel says. And, 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 and he's loving his wife and he's loving his children and he, he's, he's, he's following, he's doing the things for the, the church that needs to be done. This is a man who is doing all these things because he loves the Lord. Well, why would you again not follow behind that person? When we moved here to Sarasota 12, 13 years ago at this point, uh, it was a point of I felt comfortable coming to Sarasota because I knew Pastor Don was here. And it was a point where I knew, I knew the character of the man that I didn't have to worry about all the other things on the outside. I can follow a lot of people as long as their character is right. Are they going to make mistakes? They're going to make mistakes. They're men. I know that at least if the character is correct and that he's following a line and he has morals and he has integrity, then that's a man that I'm willing to come behind and either support or follow behind and help them. Because I know that they're not going to deviate from one way or the other. That Their best interest is, I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that's a man that I'm willing to do that. And so it became very easy when we came to Sarasota to say, hey, look, this is the church that we're going to be able to go to and we're able to flourish and go from there. Because again, he was doing those things. It wasn't lording over us. He wasn't lording over me. It was the fact that I could see the lifestyle that he was living. I could see the fact that he loved his wife and his son. And, and I'm willing to be able to go and, and, and to follow a church like that. Go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy is just to the left, a couple pages, actually more than a couple pages. 2 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 24 and 25. And it says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth. And so, and, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by those who do the will. And humility correcting those who are in opposition, because that's the, that's the whole point. Is a point of, if, uh, 
the point of being a pastor is to lead people to Jesus Christ. Okay, so if there's anybody in here today who does not know the Lord, we will have, I will give that opportunity to you at the end because that is my goal as a pastor. I'm not hiding it. I'm not playing games. I'm letting you know right now, I want to lead you to the cross. That's my desire. The second thing that as a pastor to do is he's supposed to then pastor the flock. He's supposed to shepherd the flock and bring them constantly to the Lord. So as they go through ups and downs through their life, and there's times where you're really high and everything's perfect, my job, you know, making whatever, and I got a raise, and, you know, kids are great they're all going to Harvard. I mean, just going down the line of this life is just perfect. Couldn't be any better. And then there's also those times in life where you're in the valley and I don't have a job anymore. I got gone. My kids dropped out of Harvard, you know, and everything is just con- gone from one extreme to the other. Well, the pastors to come along and to be able to read you through those things in life and to still bring you to the Lord because that's his job. He is a shepherd at that point. He brings you to the Lord. The Lord is able to then save you. And then he's able to then walk you through the rest of the ups and downs of life, of everything, of what we all go through, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a layman, it doesn't matter. That's where we go through because it is life. And that's what life is going to give you. So that's his job to be able to do those things. So he says, Going back to First uh, First Thessalonians chapter five, <clears throat> he says to to we urge you now, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you, who toil, and who are over you, the pastors and the and the elders, and Lord to and to admonish you. And we ask you to esteem them very highly. Well, what does esteem mean? Esteem means to consider. Going back to the first time, Paul does not want this group to be dismissed to no account. A lot of people look at pastors these days and they say. Um, well, you know what? And, 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 and there's lots of ways that you can go with this, and I'm trying not to take too much time on it, but uh, there, are, there are pastors who abuse the, the, the pastoral pulpit. Okay, I mean, it's just the facts of life. Okay, and you can probably go on TV right now and see a bunch of them on TV, and, and they would be those people. There are people that you wouldn't even know that are abusing the pastoral pulpits because you just don't see them at all, but that's what they're doing. And then you have the pastors over here that are really just, just seeking the Lord and just trying to do their very best and, and, just, and just are living it out on that. The problem is these two-thirds here have just, have just turned it to where people look at pastors a lot of times and go, well, you know, they should all just get real jobs anyways. You know, I mean, they shouldn't be paid for what they do and, and they should just go out and just, you know, get a job and then just do the pastoral stuff on the side and, and that's really what they should do. Well, you can look back and, and, and you can see Paul. Paul was a tent maker. I mean, we can see that in, in the book. But then there is also many times where you can see where, where they're ex- exhorting the church to then take care of those pastors and those men who do those works. And we'll get into a scripture a little bit later too on that as well. But, um, the point behind this is is not to dismiss all the pastors because either they have done wrong or you think that they should be doing other things. You're, you're supposed to then come alongside and lift them up and, and, and count them. Don't allow them to get on the, the wayside and think, well, well, everything is fine with them. And I'm sorry I'm using Pastor Don so much today, but... Um, I don't know how to use it myself. So, so, you know, oh, Pastor Don and Lynette, they're fine. They can keep on doing whatever they're doing because I really got problems. Well, trust me, everybody has got problems and everybody has needs and everybody has you know, opportunities for prayer. And, and, I will, and I will tell you this, that, um, that you should pray for your pastors and you should pray for your leadership consistently because there are many opportunities of ups and downs. And, and, and again, I'm not... And not placing us any higher than anybody. And you heard that from the very beginning. And that's why it's a very touchy subject today, at least for me. Um, I'm not putting us up higher than anybody else. But what I'm saying is there's many opportunities. If you don't know what to pray for, pray for your pastor. Pray for both of us. Pray for all of us. 
I mean, it's just a point that there's, there are many opportunities and many needs that are there that we just need people to come alongside, you know. Um, and that's what I'm asking, you know. And, and so as we, as we go through this, it's because you don't want them to just follow along the side because then you see the pride that comes into pastors and you see pastors fall, you know, either through sin or whatever, and because they have fallen along away from what the Lord has asked them to do. And so what I'm asking is that don't allow them, and what Paul is saying here is don't allow these people to be dismissed to no account. Keep them in your prayers. Keep them lifted up high. Um, not because of the man and not because of the title again, but because of the action, because of the works that they have done, because of the love that they have that they have spilled out for the congregation. And Paul, uh, Pastor Don has got... He's going to have a big head when he listens to this. Pastor Nan has got just, he has the grace and and the patience of Job. I mean, it's unbelievable. He will sit here, and you guys know this, many of you know this, he'll sit here for another two hours after the service and just minister to you, you know? I mean, that is coming from from me, because I'm like, here it is in the Word, let's move on, you know, next subject, you know? And, And he will just sit and just, and I have been on the receiving side of that many times in my life, well, he would just come alongside and he will just labor with you and love on you and bring you to the word and bring you to the word. And a man like that cannot be left aside. And so that's when we look at him just as our own personal example. As I said, he's, he's a good man. He's a good pastor because he loves the church that God has given him. He loves you guys because you're his sheep and he cares for you and he loves you. Um, so to esteem them very highly <clears throat> in highly in love I'm sorry let me back up and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and again very highly I don't want to belabor this point again but it said very highly in love and he wants individuals to be of importance to be um, to the people again to love and care again humbling to teach this as, as a pastor um, but this again it goes back to what the work of the man has done and not because of the title that he has given because there's many pastors um, that don't deserve the um, the respect because of the title that they have. He finishes this verse out with being at peace among yourselves. Um, this is an area, again, as he says this in here, and as we've gone back to the earlier chapters, in case you weren't with us, Paul, at the very beginning of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it's almost like a love fest that he has with his church. I mean, the way that he talks to them, the way that he describes them, the way that he brags upon them, as far as, you know, your your witness has gone out into all the regions in the area, your witness is well known. I mean, you guys have just, you guys are awesome, and just the things that he's talking about them. So it's kind of interesting that he says, you know, be at peace among all those around you. And again, I don't think that it was a major issue within this church. Again, as Paul's writing a lot of these um, these books to the churches, it's because he's trying to correct different things that are problems within the church. And so again, I don't think that this was a major problem, but what he's saying basically for us at this point too is, is to live in peace with all. I mean, a point of where if you're a Christian, you should be able to live at peace with those people that are around you. It shouldn't be a point of contention all the time when you walk into the room, they go, oh, here comes the Christian again. And there's going to be, you know, live in peace with those people that are around you. It's not a very difficult thing. You know, one of the fruits of the Spirit is love, right? I mean, again, if you go to the fruits of Spirit and you're like, man, what can I do in my life? The fruits of the Spirit. You can live victoriously and just do those, you know, love, peace, patience, shyness. You can just just love up on people. You just be kind all that you want to do. Man, what am I supposed to do for the Lord today? Be kind, you know? What am I supposed to do? Love people. Okay, I'm supposed to show patience today. Those are all just wonderful things that you can constantly do and then that's, you will just glorify the Lord and, and you can walk in victory every single day. And, and it's kind of like in my house, 
sorry guys, I, I sent them a picture on Facebook. It said, you know, it's that look to the guys like this. You know, that look when your your father uses you as an example while he's teaching. And um, so this will be one of those times. And live in peace with all. Kind of in my house when, when the kids are at peace, you know, when the kids are at peace in the house, what a, what a lovely house that it is. It is just... It goes back to praying for my house. No, I'm just it's um, it, it doesn't happen all the time because they're kids. You get it, but um, but what a wonderful experience it is when you are able to walk in victory in your house and know. And and I think that you know, kind of to me is the, the examples for the church too. Is when when we as a church are walking in peace and living at peace with those that are around us. I think the Lord looks at that point too and says, "Man, what a it is wonderful that that my house that my church." is not grumbling and mumbling with each other. You know, for us to be in a church, and, and this is the house of the Lord, for us to then be able to, to sit there and, and be in good spirits with each other and not be gossiping behind each other's backs and not be tearing each other down, but to be able to be able to be lifting people up, to be praying for them, to be um, just to be in constant prayer for them. And that's a wonderful thing, I think, that the Lord would look upon and have a desire for. He says, so and we urge you, Brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in, in, in love for their work's sake and be at peace amongst yourselves. And the second thing that he says to the brethren, <clears throat> he says, now we exhort you, verse 14, now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue those what is good both for you and yourselves. There was the second thing that they're to do. The exhort is to tell someone what to do, but without sharpness or a critical spirit. Not, not to, it's not a rebuke. It's not a condemnation, but it's, but it's not a suggestion either. It's kind of going back to the, you know, it's brotherly love, but it's big brotherly love kind of thing. It's a point where he's now exhorting them. He's, again, he said this in other books where he can say, look, I, I, Paul, could command you to do this, but I'm asking not to do that. I'm just asking you that for the, I think it was in Philemon. Um, he says, I'm asking you to, I'm exhorting you to do this. Well, what to do? So now he's talking to the people that are within the church. Before he was asking them to, the, these are the leaders that are above you. Now it's the people that were the, that are within the church. And he says, I'm exhorting you, brethren, to warn those who are unruly. And run unruly here, any military people? One military person. You know the military piece? I was hoping... This little point would be here, but unruly here. It's it's a military term. Okay, it's a military term that's it's it's disorderly. It's out of rank. It's it's deviating from the prescribed order or rule. And when I heard this, again, this is weird. This is me, but um, I think of anybody seen a few good men. You know, yeah. Watch the like the normal TV version of it. Don't listen to don't watch the actual movie. But at this point, not anymore because there's some colorful language but a few good men jack nicholas says you know people people follow orders or people die you know he says that line that's within there so again it's it's a point people have to follow orders and 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 it's not to that extreme as far as here within the church but but what he's talking about he's talking about the the unruly he's talking about that there are loafers within the church okay now i'm not calling you guys loafers i'm just saying within that church okay because there was loafers within the church that were willing to take advantage of those people that were within the church, that were working hard. And if you go back to first, to chapter 4, 11, you don't have to go there. He says, he tells, the, he tells the Thessalonians, work with your own hands. So I think that there was a point there within the church that some people were like, hey, I'm a Christian, I ain't got to do nothing anymore, I can just, 
you know, mooch off the church and I can live and be fine. The church is going to take care of me. He says, no, you, one, you need to work with your own hands. And look, I'm calling you out right now. You're, some of you guys are loafing. And some of you guys are taking advantage of those people that are working really hard and that you need to be called upon it because I'm asking you to pick up your pace and get going here. So one, there was, there was loafers within church. Two, there are self-willed people. They're self-willed persons who simply demand to hold their own opinion or preference, and, and those people must be warned too. And well, who would those people be? Self-willed people that have their own ideas as far as how the church should run. I mean, we've never heard any of those people before, right? So it's it's people like it's people like Catholics. The Catholics there might be some Catholics that say, "Well, I'm a Catholic, but I don't believe anything that most of what the Pope says." Well, you can't really be a Catholic if you don't believe what the Pope says. I mean, that just doesn't jive, correct? If the Pope is the one that's leading it and he's telling the church what to do, you either need to say, I'm either going to be on board with what the Pope says or I need to to find a different church to, to fellowship with. It might be the same within here. You might be like, well, I like how everything happens here, but I think that they need to get rid of worship. You know, we don't even have worship anymore. Well, again, if the, if the church has decided and the leaders are moving forward, you can't come in and, and try to change the church to make it your own way. He's saying, look here, there's some self-willed people that, are, that, are, that need to be you know, commanded or kind of brought into line as far as what their beliefs are and what they're doing, and you need to kind of shape these people up. They're being insubordinate as well. Uh, the second thing that he says here is comfort the faint-hearted. Faint-hearted here um, is uh, in the King James Version, in case you read King James Version, it's, it's feeble-minded. Um, and these are people that are just little-spirited. And, and, and some of these people might be here today. Um, again, this is not a, a, a slam upon them. It, because the comfort here is, is encouraged, it's to speak soothingly to. Uh, it's, it's to build them up because these people are ready to sink without hope because of the bereavements that they're going through. These are people that have gone through such a hard time in their life that their, their faith is so small right now that they just need somebody to come alongside and to lift them up. There's people that have, um, and I won't go through examples because there's lots of them, um, and I don't want to touch anybody's hearts right now, but they're people that, that just need somebody to come alongside and pray. And, and you need to be able to notice those people and you need to be able to um, to be a Christian brother or sister and say, hey, look, I'm here for you. What do you need? Uh, and it's, it doesn't have to just be, you don't have to just be a pastor to be that person that comes alongside somebody. I mean, the Lord can work in all of us. And if you have a discernment to the fact that you see somebody that's in need, then, then walk over there and ask them how they're doing and, and take time to go over and spend time with them. It doesn't take much at times. It could be just, hey, can we go grab a cup of coffee? How are things going? Oh man, you, you, you don't you don't really want to ask that question, but I did ask the question: what, What's going on in your life? And, and to be able to come along somebody by somebody, and and that's where real ministry happens. I mean, so many times we want to be able to change the world, but it has to start with one person. You you can't change the world. I mean, even Billy Graham had to start with one person before he went to talk to all the different rulers throughout the world. Billy Graham didn't just, hey, I got saved and started doing, you know, different outreaches that he did. Billy Graham started with one person. And with that one person, you don't know where then that's going to develop because who, 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 who got Billy Graham saved? Nobody knows that man's name. But that man changed the outcome of many lives. Christian, it's, it's a point of being able to look at them and, and notice that there are people that are strong believers that believe in the Lord but are just down on their luck at this time. The third part is, uh, is to uphold the weak. Uphold here is to support, to aid, to care for them. 
the weak is, is wanting indecision about things lawful and unlawful. And these are people that we, not just the, the leaders here, need to come alongside and to build them up to, to, to point out their ability to support themselves spiritually. See, the, some are the weaker in spirit and need brothers and sisters in Christ to come alongside and encourage and strengthen. See, these are a little bit different. Here's the one you had, the one that were just the weak in spirit as far as the times that they were going through. Then there are people that are just weak. That just they need somebody to, to really invest. That there's there's just where they're at in life is just not a good spot. They're 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 desiring to know what is right and wrong. They're desiring to come alongside. They desire to ha- know something about the Lord, but they're just there's nobody there to help them in doing that. And, and again, there's 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 the double-edged sword in that because some people will then, then fall in line with I'm just always weak. That's just who I am. But again, we are new creations in Christ. You know, the old has come and the new is here. So if, if you are that person, you get saved, you can then still seek the Lord and you're still seeking the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. Well, now I'm made strong. You don't need to be weak anymore. So you don't allow your flesh and you don't allow the, Lord, the world, you don't allow those people to be able to try to keep you down because at the point where the Lord is inside of me, the Lord can help me to walk in victory. And that's what I encourage you guys to do. Um, uh, I don't have time to go to the... You can write down 1 Corinthians 9.22. You don't have to turn there. We don't have time. But it talked about Paul talking about to the weak he became weak, to the strong he became strong. Paul, wherever his situation he was in, he was willing to be a humble person to wherever I need to meet this person out here will meet. And I'm telling you, Paul was about as strong a person that you'll ever meet in your life. But he was willing to humble himself to know that I've got to minister to this person right now. <clears throat> the fourth thing that you're supposed to do the other for the others in the church is to be patient with all. And to be, be, be patient is to be mild and slow in avenging, to be long-suffering, slow to anger. It's just to bear it. Anybody know what the definition of all is? All. all here you go. It's all. <coughs> How different this world would be if we were patient, if we were long-suffering. Is it hard to be long-suffering with all? Maybe drive in Sarasota Roads. I mean, it's, it's hard. It, it is difficult. And this is a culmination of the previous three that Paul is saying here. He's saying, look, just be patient with all men. Just be patient. When people come into your path and they rub you the wrong way, to be patient. You know, our ultimate goal as, as Christians is, is to, to bring people to the Lord, as I've said. It is dying to yourself and to your rights to ultimately bring those in the world to Jesus. The point is, is it's not, when you got saved, it's no longer about you. It, it's completely about the Lord at that point. And, and what do I have to do to be able to die to myself to be able to pick up my cross and to walk for the Lord and to bring people to him at that point. It's not a point of, of well, I was joking with um, Bert last night that so many people nowadays are complaining about, you know, the, the rights that we have. And um, uh, if, if somebody doesn't say Merry Christmas to you, you're like, oh, Christians are being persecuted. And, you know, it's just, it's just you know, I don't want to get, but you got what I'm saying. So I think we're a little touchy at times. But because if you look at it, and when this book was written, you know Paul's writing to Christians that were um, they had the Romans who didn't like Christians, 
they had the Jews who didn't like Christians. I mean, and that was the world that they lived in. I mean, so, and it wasn't that they just didn't like them and said, hey, you can't say Merry Christmas, you know, Merry Christmas or something like that. It was, they're going to flog you, they're going to beat you, they're going to take away everything that you have. I mean, that was the life that they lived within. That was this church here that they lived within. And so when, when he's telling them to be at peace with all, I mean, that's, that's a different context than today when you're like, oh, that guy just cut me off and, you know, told me I'm number one. I can't believe it. That's just, that's just wrong, you know. I mean, these people are just, no, it's, it's a point of how do I get that person not to know Jesus Christ? How do I then die to myself? Because, again, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is our goal is to get somebody to that point. And again, it's not through us, but it's through the lifestyle that we're going to live within. Verse 15 says that, See that no one renders evil to evil to anyone, but also pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. This is a very good verse within our house right now. To render an evil to evil for no one, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and to all. Um, it's, it's, it's a point of no retaliation. It's a point of hard to be patient with all and start repaying evil for evil. It's a point where, again, as we look at our own rights and the things that we feel, we feel like we have a right when that person hits me to hit them back. Well, that's not what Christ said. Actually, turn over to Matthew 5, please. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. <clears throat> Matthew five thirty-eight says, You have heard that it is said... An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. I tell you, but to whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn turn to the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you, take away your tunic. Let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn and allow him to slap you on the other. And that's the point, too. It's, it's so much easier to, work, to, to witness to somebody who's nice, is it not? I mean, you, there's people in your life that you're like, oh, I could witness that person. They're really nice. They're my friend. You know, we kind of get along and stuff like that. But it's a point where there's a contention with somebody that you're like, ah, you know, I just don't feel like the Lord's leading me to, to talk to that person. You know, I, I just, I don't feel it. You know, it's, it's not there. But, but you have to then still be able to get over your own self. You have to be able to think outside of the box because, again, it's, it's the Lord. At some point, the Lord saw something within us to be able to say, look, I love that person and I want them to come to know the Lord. And, well, how do we then get over ourselves and to be able to move forward towards that? We must always desire to pursue good to earnestly endeavor to do what is upright, to honorable, and be acceptable to God. Uh, it's something that I pray with the guys all the time is that you know we want to be honorable men. We want to be men of integrity. We want to be you know men that people can see the fact that there is differences between us as Christians and us as the, of what the world would perceive as far as what our men are supposed to be. We think it's hard because whatever the, in the news, you know, that we're being persecuted and the, all the, the things that are going on, um, but again, what are we complaining about? If, if we've got Christ, we've, we've gone through, you know, we're going to be going through Revelation at some point. Of, probably the Lord will come back before that point. But Revelation, as far as with Pastor Don, so at some point we know that we win. What, what is the point that, that why we are, we are battling and we're having such a hard time to be able to see that those around us need to know the Lord? So again, what are the areas that we need to work on? The leadership within the church of holding up to high esteem. 
to honoring them, to not giving them the honor that they deserve. The church support, the, the unruly, the faint-hearted, the weak, um, your own personal patience that you have currently with others. And as we did communion today, our focus should be clear on the fact that the sacrifice that Jesus provided for us. And I think it should be clear also for us to then to be able to pray and to go back and, well, what is the sacrifice that I'd be willing to give back to the Lord? You know, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll close up with this, is that um, if the Lord was willing to sacrifice for us, then what sacrifices would I be willing to give back? I mean, would you be willing to give your life back to the Lord? And, and as we get ready to pray now, if, if you're somebody here today that doesn't have a relationship with the Lord, if you're here today and you're... Maybe you're backslidden. You know, you've walked with the Lord for a long time. You know, like today, Kevin, I just I came to church and I just I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of running away from the Lord. I'm tired of just playing the game with the people that are around me, and, and I'm ready to give my life back to Him. Or maybe you're like I've never had a relationship with the Lord. I don't know who the Lord is. I've heard stuff on TV and I've heard different things, but but who is God? Who is this Jesus that you're talking about? I'd say just to come up to me and talk to me afterwards. And I'd love to be able to explain who Jesus is and, and what he did for you and the sacrifice that he, he provided and the forgiveness of sins that he's willing to give you. Father God, we thank you so much for this, this morning, God. and Lord, we're just humble in your presence and we, we thank you for being with us. And um, I thank you for getting me through this, this service and um, keeping my voice in and I pray that you're with these sheep that are here listening to it and um, that again, God, that it made sense that to be able to look around us and and know that there's a bigger picture in life than just the the problems or the things that we're going through in ourselves, but to be able to look around and see that there's real ministry to be done. There's people that are having family problems or there's people that are having economic problems. There's people that just need prayer. There's people that just need to know that somebody actually recognizes them in the church today. I pray that you would help us to open our eyes to to see the bigger picture of life, to see the bigger picture of that there are needs that are out there and that we're willing to step up to the plate and to know that all I have is my life to give and that, Lord, that it's yours, that to use me however you would want, to use me whatever you need, to use my resources of whatever I have, whatever talents I, I have, that they're yours. I pray that this church would be, more importantly, that these Christians within this room, that wherever they go out to, whatever job they go to, whatever house they go to, whatever home that they go to, whatever neighborhood, that people would see that there is Christians within their neighborhood. And that they, the neighbors, would know that there's somebody that they can go to. Father, help us to be that body that you've asked us to be. We ask this in your name. Amen.